In a time where parents have the weight of a thousand decisions on their shoulders and every step is like walking in quicksand, adventure's probably not in your focus. However, research shows families who adventure are more resilient and have significantly healthier minds and bodies. The purpose of this podcast is to help families connect through simple and authentic adventure experiences. Welcome to Ordinary Sherpa, your online community designed to help you connect, reach your summit, and create meaningful adventure experiences with your family. Hello and welcome back to Ordinary Sherpa. We just spent a week in Cincinnati. I should rephrase that. I just spent a week in Cincinnati. So just to give you a quick update on our gap year, since we last spoke, we wrapped up phase one, which was camping and skiing. And I feel like we've really mastered some skills, some winter camping skills, both finding campgrounds, water, electricity in the wintertime, what's open, not freezing up or thawing quickly, but also making the best of an untourism type experience, finding locals and some amazing powder. So we met up, just a quick kind of recap, I think uh, where we left off was we met up with a bunch of friends, family in Colorado, sped across New Mexico, Oklahoma, Arkansas, and Tennessee with amazing stops in Stillwater, Tulsa, Bentonville, Nashville before arriving in Cincinnati. And of those three, I would say on tourism stops, hello, Tulsa and Bentonville, put them on your list. I'll talk more about that later. The trip across the South was way too fast. So Cincinnati was a great reset. And I was in town to attend and consequently facilitate a session on travel rewards at Economy. But my husband and three and a half kids, yes, our dog is half human, decided to make an eight-hour trek home to visit with friends and family. So they were reunited. They had supposedly like a night in their bed, but they ended up spending the night at grandma's house all week. So we are back. We were reunited a couple days ago. I don't even know what day of the week it is. This is a symptom of gap year life, everyone, just so you know. But we're back on the road for phase two of our trip, which will include a lot of baseball stadiums, mountain biking, and history as we make our way up the Northeast. And as a disclaimer, you should always know that there's ice cream and hiking included in any Dusik family adventure. So we are eager to get going again. I think it was a great reset. I think it was a great repositioning of ourselves taking some time and just really slowing things down a little bit. If you want to follow along and get behind the scenes details of our gap year, you can subscribe to our email list. It's the only place where I give the in-depth details. And that is OrdinarySherpa.com backslash subscribe. And then just make sure you select Family Gap Year Adventures as one of the topics you're interested in. If you, though, want me to go deeper in an episode or write a blog post on anything specific on a topic that I mention, just reach out via email or social media. I recognize we're living a beyond normal lifestyle, and I detail how to get there in my book, Um, but I'd love your questions. I'd love to know what you might be interested in to help you and your family connect through adventure in whatever format that looks like for you. So today, our guest is another example of a beyond normal lifestyle, and much of that is through the lens of simplicity and minimalism. However, it was his blog post titled, Travel is Overrated, Here's What to Do Instead, that got my attention. We often talk about simple adventures of things we can do in our own backyard while still being open to bigger and bold moves towards an adventurous lifestyle. So I'm excited to have our guest who's a financial planner by day and enjoys biking, farmers markets, libraries and coffee shops. Volunteerism is also one of his favorite weekend activities, specifically in the sustainability arena. 
with a passion for cars and a disdain for liars, with vegan food being his jam, he tries to spend an intentional manner, allowing himself to be financially independent to focus on the civic causes that he is passionate about. Gary, author of Financial Fives, welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. Thanks, Heidi. So glad to be here. Yeah, I'm really glad you reached out to me. I know when we first started having conversations, I said, you know, I'm not really a financial podcast, but as I got to look at your blog and your material, there's a lot in there. And I want to start, if you, if it's okay, with this one blog post that I found on your website called Travel is Overrated and Here's What to Do Instead. Tell me more about who you are and how did you land on some of the topics that you have in the financial space? Sure. Yeah. So my entry into personal finance was kind of not uh, planned. I know a lot of people major in this kind of stuff and economics in college. I was going to be a dentist. And I realized that my first job between my gap year of college and dental school was at a financial firm. And a lot of people looked at me and I was 21 or 22. And they're like, you're, you're going to take on $300,000 of debt just to make X amount of money you're not going to be in good shape. Like, I don't know what you're thinking. And so I kind of crunched numbers more and more. And finance is always one of my passions. I never really thought you could make a career out of it. I had never met a CFP until I was like 22. So I figured, you know, they're right. I should not take on debt for something that I may not even like to do. And so that's kind of where I just ran with the whole personal finance. I worked in insurance. I worked as a broker for Scott Trade, which no longer exists. And then I went on to get my CFP and work as a planner. And during all of that, I had my own kind of, I've always loved books. I've always wanted to be an author. So I published my book, Financial Fives in 2020, when we had a lot of downtime during the pandemic. And I decided to blog to kind of put a different spin on personal finance. I felt like I could find online myself. A lot of people talk about like portfolios and dividends and frugality. And I think all that's great. But There's so many different aspects of life that personal finance touches, and that's what I wanted to kind of explore. So that topic or that blog post, How Travel's Overrated, was really something that I felt myself. You know, 2022 and even the year before that, the headlines were all about flights getting canceled. Flights are so expensive. The airports are packed. Hotel prices are going crazy. So people had all this FOMO built up from the pandemic, and they wanted to get out and explore. And that's just made worse, right? From Instagram and TripAdvisor and all these great, beautiful places people are going and want to take a picture that they're at. And, you know, I've talked to so many clients and friends that stress out about vacation planning and then are stressed on vacation. And it's kind of defeating the purpose. So I just wanted to write this post to say like, hey, there are so many other things you can do to get the same effects from a vacation that don't require going on vacation. Um, And that's kind of what was behind that. Yeah. And I really appreciate that because I've said from day one that as much as we focus on adventure, so many people classify travel as part of their like adventure portfolio, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of those things can be experienced in your own backyard and everyday experiences, even in... So we're on a gap year and I have said, you know, you don't need a gap year to do most of the things that we're doing. Right, The things like For example, you know, we went skiing on a Tuesday. Well, I could take off work and go skiing on a Tuesday. Like I could still have that effect and try it out. I could go camping in the winter anytime, right? Mm -hmm. It's not that I need to be on a vacation or traveling to experience this thing. So what was some of the things you found or what were some of the suggestions that you highlighted in that blog post or even some of the things you've done to really 
get reacquainted with local. Yeah, it's really about that whole be a tourist in your own city, right? Like, I can't tell you how many friends I have come across and even my own, even my parents and my own family. I take them places and they're like, I didn't even know this existed. And it's literally five miles from our house. Right. You know, we have this mentality that when we want to get away, right, the whole travel industry tells us to get away, go on the cruise, go on the plane, do all this stuff. But if you just look at kind of your own town, you'll find the beauty of it that just in simple things, right? You know, we we went and for a walk across the wetlands area with really nice benches, saw the sunset. It's a nice park for a picnic and just kind of spend some time. And, you know, we go on vacation typically for our mental health and for adventure and just for relaxing and taking a deep breath. And a lot of those things can be found by going to local things too right? Mm-hmm. That was really the basis of that post is to challenge people to think about what they can do in their own backyard or even within a day's driving distance that will give them the same effects and, and positivity that you get through a vacation. Yeah. And you highlighted a couple of things in your bio that I love. So let's just talk quickly about what are some of the things that you start to look for? If people are like, I don't even know where to start, or I don't even know what this town has to offer. What are some of the just characteristics of every town that you start by digging into or looking for when you are encouraging people to find what the gems are in their town? I used to start by going to like TripAdvisor because TripAdvisor had this thing where it's like you can see the source of top activities. So it's like Yelp for travel and you can see kind of what the most popular tourist spots are. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, honestly, what I did was I just would go to Google Maps on my phone and, and zoom in and just kind of use my finger to drag and see what picked my interest. And it picks up a lot of things. You know, I click on a park and it starts to show other parks. And, you know, there's the green line in Google to show like a pedestrian or a bike path. And that's really something I like to explore is different bike paths and greenways. The local library, I think, is a great resource because a lot of people that work there want to help. They live in the city. They're from there. And they can tell you about great places to check out or hole-in-the-wall places and whatnot. But It's really just about having the time to explore, maybe sometimes not even having an agenda and just exploring and see where where things take you. Some of the best places I've discovered are just because I was riding my bike and uh, didn't even think about going from A to B. I just thought I'd go a different route. Yeah, I agree that libraries are two, one of the, the greatest resources. It's not only filled with people that genuinely want to help and love their space, there's often a lot of really cool things at the library that I wouldn't think of, you know, things that we've discovered there, just like crafts and social meetups. And, you know, it's you meet such interesting people there yeah. as well. And so having conversations with people, I just think the library is like a secret hangout that nobody knows about. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I, I like to call it, it's like the living room of every city, right? It's like everybody's welcome. It's public. It's got books. It's got tools. It's got movies. It's got classes and activities. And, and it's really just such an underrated resource in our cities. Yeah. So let's just say you were going to bike throughout your town. I'm curious about some of the things you're doing with sustainability. How are you now going deeper with volunteerism and, and trying to get engaged in like the sustainability arena? So I've always loved volunteering because I think it's a great way to not only meet people, but feel better about yourself. I read in a book somewhere, I can't recall the book, but it's like, you know, when you don't feel good or you're sad or you're upset about something, take the focus off yourself and to someone or something less fortunate. And that really helps kind of reframe your mindset, whatever you're going through. So a few of my biggest passions are environmentalism and conservation and zero waste. So 
I also have like a zero waste moving box company called California Box Rental because I saw that there was a lot of waste associated with moving in bubble wrap. So that was an entrepreneurial thing I did. But the volunteer aspects, I used to do volunteers for Outdoor Colorado. We go on trips and we camp for a couple of nights and you meet really great people with the same mindset. So you make friends and have an adventure, but you're also building trails and planting trees and doing all the stuff that makes an impact for the people that come after you. I also am like a, a trail keepers volunteer in my town. So I'm sure you're familiar with plogging, right? You run and you also pick up trash. So it's an easy way, you know, because I go on my runs on in the morning anyway. Why not pick up trash while you're at it and kind of beautify the town? So those kinds of things, events where I can help with zero waste, um, that's something I've done as well for different. In fact, that picture of the blog post, Travels Overrated, at, is at Bottle Rock in Napa last year. Huge event, and they're actually huge on zero waste too, and that's what I was doing there as a volunteer. So those are some of the things I try to do to kind of not only reduce my impact, but also do things that make the community better. Yeah, thank you for that. It's interesting because I think what people crave so much in adventure is like this freedom, but then when they have the freedom, they don't know what to do with it or what really drives them. And so- yeah. I mean, it's one thing, for example, when I would travel, it was an experience where it's like this big buildup, you go on the experience and then you kind of come down and you're like, well, that was great, but I just want to keep doing the same thing over and over again. Exactly. And yet you kind of feel lost after a while. You know, we're taking, uh, again, we're taking this gap year, but it's not about the gap year, right? It's like, what are we wanting out of life and how is this going to give us the time and space to be together as a family? And what is it, right? We're still going to work. We're still going to do things but I love the concept of really digging into what drives you and what lights you up and using volunteerism as a tool wherever you are to get engaged, to meet with people and to help solve a problem. I love that concept. And if it's sustainability, great. If it's not, you know, whatever your thing is, right? Yeah. Okay. I have to know more about this zero waste moving company. Tell me just more about the entrepreneurial journey behind that. Oh, yeah. So about 10 years ago, almost 11 now, I was at UCLA visiting some friends. I had recently graduated and the dorms, they're clustered in one area and also the apartments are too. And, you know, in the spring or the summer, I think it was spring semester and ended. Everybody moves around the same time because they all want to go home to their parents or move on to their next life. And there was just so much cardboard waste and just torn up boxes and crushed boxes and bubble wrap. And there's already enough waste in our world, right? Plastic bottles and bags and all this stuff. Cardboard is one of the most easily recyclable things, right? This is also before like the proliferation of online shopping and Amazon boxes everywhere. There's got to be a better way. And I had heard about this company called Frogbox. They're out in Canada at the time. And I saw that there were actually similar concepts in different cities, but not in my hometown. Of Sacramento. So I thought, you know, it seems like a low capital startup cost business that doesn't take a lot of time. I don't have to get any special licenses or anything like that. So I just went and bought all these boxes and put up a website and put them in storage and got a business license and just started to see what I can do uh, in that regard. And we were able to partner with one of the biggest movers in Sacramento to be their preferred vendor and just kind of grew via word of mouth. You know, I, I always try to be personal with our customers and and make sure that they're happy and that they found that it's a valuable service. So they don't ever have to use cardboard and they don't have to use tape that they're just going to throw away in bubble wrap. You know, our boxes are also more durable. So, you know, cardboard can get crushed. It can get wet and leak and break and all your stuff falls out. Our boxes don't do that. I think so far, it's still people are getting used to the concept, right? I mean, moving boxes that you rent, it doesn't register with people. But 
you know, we have a five-star rating right now. And I think that just speaks to people think like once they try it, they're like, why didn't I do this before? So it's just about growing it and making sure people know that we're here. I love it. Well, and I love that you just dug in, right, to solve a problem and to explore how you could fix it. It doesn't seem like you... uh it does take a risk, right? Obviously, anything entrepreneurial has a risk. But I think that's an interesting way to solve a problem and just see what works. And if it doesn't, oh, well. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's just exactly. your your perspective right now. You're coming across very comfortable with that. Yeah. I was in my 20s. and didn't have much to worry about. It was maybe three to $4,000 in startup costs. And that isn't really anything that if you lose it all, that's going to destroy your life. So I figured it's now or never. Let's just see what happens. <laughs> This is fascinating. There's so many opportunities, I think, that as I've gotten more engaged in entrepreneurship and supporting entrepreneurship, while it's not like a huge passion of mine, it's been very interesting, the people that I've met along the way and the types of problems people are solving. So I just had to ask the question. All right. I want to get back to this concept of finding the local gems in your hometown, because there's another piece of your bio that I'm very curious about. You describe yourself as a vegan guru. Well, I'm going to describe you actually as a vegan guru. You just say vegan. Vegan food is your jam. That to me means you've got some experience in understanding, finding, and taste testing, so to speak, vegan food. Yeah. What makes good vegan food? Like if someone had a vegan restaurant and they wanted you to come taste test it, what would be some of your criteria in like finding really good vegan food? I think for me, it's just the richness, I guess, of taste. But also, I mean, with any food, right? It's very similar. But I think the things that's distinguished for me, what makes good vegan food versus not good is just like being satiated. Like, is it enough food? Do you feel like there's enough different food groups that you're full after a meal? Because oftentimes, you know, plant-based food sometimes isn't going to be as filling as like meat and cheese and nachos and all the other stuff, but it can be, you know, I mean, the nice thing about now is that we have so many alternatives for vegan cheese and vegan proteins and that we, that didn't happen. 10 years ago. So it's a lot easier now to have plant-based food that is good. And to be honest, like I follow really great blogs that talk about vegan food and the pictures are amazing. They turn out to be amazing. So I think just complementing different food groups, maybe different textures to kind of make it interesting, makes really good vegan food. And the nice thing, I mean, vegan restaurants already have my heart because a lot of the times they focus on plant-based food and their reasoning is also possibly environmental. So a lot of these places are focused on using zero waste products in their restaurants mm-hmm. and compostable or recycled items in their takeout and, you know, paying it forward in one way or another in the community. Yeah, I love that. It's interesting because as I, I don't know, I, I guess I came from a hunting family. We've just always had meat. So as I've explored plant-based foods, I'm always like, well, what do I eat yeah. other than salad, right? So I think just the creativity that I see too in vegan food not only is it filling, but like to see what people come up with is so fascinating to know like, oh, I could eat that. Like, what does that taste like? That feels like the flavor of adventure, <laughs> if I could put it. Yeah. It's so fun to try different foods. Do you also cook vegan food as well? Are you? I do. Yeah. What's your favorite? I pretty much strictly cook vegan food. And then if I nice. want to have like fish or something, I'll go and like save it for like a weekend dinner or something like that. So I'm a big fan of one pot meals. I follow these blogs, Vegan Richa, there's Minimalist Baker has really good vegan recipes. They make it really easy because there's so many, the nice thing too about vegan food is you can use so many alternatives. Like you don't have coconut milk, you can use oat milk. You don't have 
carrots, you can use, you know, something else. So it's just like, it's easy to mix and match as long as you have your base of like, you know, you have a grain like quinoa or farro or something, you have some vegetable broth, so it tastes good, you season that. For the protein, what I typically do is, you know, you can use tofu, you can use, there's a, there's a brand, I really love their, they have these Italian meatballs, uh, Gardein, really good Italian meatballs. But now we have things like Impossible Burger and Beyond Meat and so many different proteins that are made from chickpeas and tofu and pea protein and whatever. And it really tastes good. For example, the Impossible Burger came out because they wanted to exactly replicate the taste of a beef burger, right? For people who like beef. I don't particularly care for that, but it's actually, it tastes good. So I really try to focus on those one pot meals where it's like you just put it in like a, have a cast iron skillet. And it's great because that's that's your meal prep for the week. And then for lunches, you know, it's really easy to make a vegan protein smoothie. So there's just so many things you can do with, with plant-based food. That's fascinating. I love it. I appreciate that. And I appreciate the fact that you're willing to share those things. I know you have really come a long ways from finance, right? <laughs> I mean, we haven't talked yet yeah, about know, right? financial. Um, we've <laughs> talked about, you know, travel and understanding local and uh, entrepreneurship journey and now vegan. But let's talk a little bit about your desire and your intentionality around financial independence. And what's, what drove you to write Financial Fives? What drove me to write it was really about, I didn't find the advice that has helped me in other books. And what I meant by that was, there's some books out there that are really great and provide great advice, but I felt like there's just so many things that we come across in life. It would take a thousand page book and many books to kind of write about that. And I felt like a lot of books too were missing the point because they had a lot of backstory, a lot of just fluff and I wanted to write a book because, you know, being a young professional at the time when I thought about it, I was like, we're already distracted with our phones and social media and life in the city and everything, right? If I have five minutes to read, I want to read something and get something out of it. So I structured the book so that there's literally the chapters are two pages each. And they're just meant to be, here's what worked for me. Here's what I recommend, right? So whatever situation you're in, if you're trying to negotiate rent, if you're going to the farmer's market, if you're trying to rent a car or go on vacation, what can you do to save money or make money or do something better with your money? Everything in there came from my personal experience that's helped me on my journey to financial independence. And so I wanted to share that with others to see if it can help them too and just have a different voice in the field. So what drove me to kind of pursue financial independence was because I, I had read about it, you know, being in the personal finance industry, we read blogs and articles and all that stuff. So I'd heard about it and it really resonated with me in the sense that you can do whatever you choose to do. If you have a family, sure, you have to support them and everything you want the best for them. And oftentimes, especially in our culture, it's all about the bigger house and the car and, and being able to show your wealth and whether it's a wedding or whatever it is. So for me, there's there's some issues in our country, in our world that I'm passionate about that I would like to spend more time on and not worry about, oh, I shouldn't do that because I have to work or do something else, right? So for me, I'm really passionate about sustainability, zero waste, multimodal transportation, mm -hmm. getting more bike trails and walking trails and more walkability into our cities. And there's a lot of great nonprofits and advocacy groups that are working towards that. You know, and so I felt like with me, I can help in those areas and just be a better supporter of those causes. So that's being able to have the freedom to do that and not worry about my mortgage is the reason really behind it. Yeah. 
When we've heard from other guests on the show, too, it's not that it's you have to have money to figure everything out. But when you get your money figured out, a lot of other things seem to fall into place and give you the flexibility and the freedom to really explore those other passions, give you the freedom and the flexibility to take time to engage in activities that you may not feel you have the ability to if you're working in a traditional nine to five. Exactly. In your journey, is there anything that, you know, as people are have been working or reading your book that they're really taking away that you'd like to encourage people to explore on their own financial journey, like things to explore as a takeaway or ways that you encourage people to find the right system that works for them? Yeah, I think it's just being compassionate with yourself. Like a lot of people sometimes, Mm. you know, guilt themselves. Oh, I spent so much money, so I'm just going to keep spending. Or like they had a bad day or a breakup or whatever, and they feel like they need to go and spend money to feel better about themselves. And it's really just about if you try something and it doesn't work, like you saved money one month, but not the next month, it's okay. There's still another month coming. You know, so I think self-compassion is a little bit underrated. Like we feel bad about ourselves if we don't have, we didn't get the promotion that our friend got or like they got a new car, they went on this trip or whatever the case might be. So from my book, I really try to teach the whole aspect about conscious spending, which is I first learned about this from Ramit Sadie in his book, I Will Teach You To Be Rich. So mm-hmm. shout out to him. But it was really just about you know, learning to realize what do you like to spend money on and what could you care less about, right? Like for me, I love cars, but I'm also about sustainability. I used to have a sports car and now I have a hybrid because I have to match my values to my desires. So (laughs) it's really just about learning where you like to spend money and what brings you happiness and not spending on the rest and designing a life that you're going to look back on and be happy about. Thank you for sharing that because I think it's easy to get caught up in the save versus spend. So I'll share a personal story really quick. So we've been saving, obviously, for a significant amount of time. Um, Not Mm -hmm. completely financially independent, but we would call ourselves like Coast by. Obviously, we've been saving for this gap year. And I joked with the kids, not really joking, but was trying to teach them a lesson the other day that, you know, if we go out to eat every single day, those are just less days that we get to travel, right? So we've got to be thoughtful about, do we really want this? Is Culver's going to be the answer to making us more sane? (laughs) Well, the other day we arrived here. So we're in Grand Marais. It's northern Minnesota along the Superior Coast. And there's this really good restaurant. And I was like, you know, I want something healthy. I want to get out of the RV. I just want really good food. And I was willing to spend, and my son even said, is it worth missing two days of travel in order to have this meal? And to me, I was like, yes, it is. Today, it's worth it. So and those can change from day to day, right? It's not an all or nothing decision on what you're spending. Your conscious spending, I think, is really thoughtful. As long as you're making those choices, because once you get into that creep of, I just want to feel good and this is going to make me feel good. Yes. And (laughs) will it still make you feel good tomorrow? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. Exactly. exactly. It's all about. Carrie, is there anything else that you, if someone was following you or if someone is just finding you for the first time, and we've talked a lot about a lot of different things. I mean, I could keep talking because now I'm curious about like civic engagement and volunteerism and the systems interaction between all of those things, right? And sustainability. It's not just one thing. So many different things and your choices from financial to how you show up with your time and your the connections you make and the communities you build. I mean, it, there's so many things that are built within systems. Is there anything else that I I should be asking you or you want to talk more about? Well, I would just say that, you know, 
the overall premise of the blog and the book is just about, you know, realizing that there are so many ways to have fulfillment in life and be happy in life without spending. And when you have the freedom to choose how you spend your time, because a lot of us, a lot of people, unfortunately, feel that they have to, you know, I did a blog post, but if everybody retired early, who's going to be the one to fly the planes and cook the food and all that. So work is important. But I think a lot of people get into the sense that they, because their friends spent an X amount of money, they should spend X amount of money. We don't spend enough time thinking about why we live in such a great country and such a great world. And because there were people before us that fought for parks not to be raised over and, you know, libraries to be saved and for certain protections for different groups of people. And sometimes we can, we can take that for granted, right? If we're spending Thursday nights or Saturday mornings, just kind of going out to brunch for four hours and just kind of window shopping, you know, sometimes we can get more fulfillment out of our life by focusing on issues that are important to us, whether it's parks or multimodal transportation or, or whatever the case might be. You find out what you like and what's important to you and you get engaged. And I have found some of the most passionate people in my community by just going to a city council meeting and just observing. What do they talk about? Why is this such an issue? I didn't even know people talked about these things like easements and, and right of ways and all the stuff that goes into just putting in a sidewalk. So I think just starting to explore kind of your city, like what are the issues that your neighbors care about? Talk to your neighbors. What are the different groups in your community? And just start to see like what drives you, what's important to you, what is the world that you want to live in, and then try to go and help create that. That is fantastic. And I think it's just great overall mentoring advice and life advice. So regardless of it's financial that's driving you or your other passions, I really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing all of that with us today. Yeah, likewise, Heidi. This is a blast. Would love to do it again. Thank you. Thank you, Gary. So many awesome key takeaways from this. So I have nine key takeaways. Number one, he talked with clients and friends stressed out about planning vacation, stressed out on vacation, which defeats the purpose of traveling. You can get the benefits of a vacation without going on vacation. Number two, be a tourist in your own city. Look at TripAdvisor's top tourist attractions near you or zoom in on Google Maps. Maybe even follow the green line for pedestrian or bike paths. It's really about having or blocking time to explore. Some of the best places he discovered was because he was riding on his bike without a planned route. Number three, libraries are like a living room for your city. Number four, volunteerism helped Gary feel better. He looks for ways not only to reduce his impact, but also make the community better. Volunteerism is also a tool to get engaged, connect with others, and solve a problem wherever you are. Number five, an entrepreneurial experience came from his desire to reduce waste and solve a problem by creating a zero-waste moving box company. Number six, great vegan food has flavor and leaves you feeling full. There are so many plant-based foods that look good, and so many vegan restaurants also have environmental sustainability built into their operations with zero-waste or compostable supplies. Number seven, Gary is a fan of one-pot vegan meals. Using a base such as quinoa, adding vegetable broth and spices, and an alternate protein. There are so many options today that taste good. Good vegan food represents the flavors of adventure with creative combinations. Several resource links are included in the show notes if you'd like to explore vegan cooking. Number eight, Financial Five's book was written to help readers learn quick tips to spend less, earn more, and invest. 
in five minutes or less based on the things that Gary learned and implemented in his own path to financial independence. And number nine, self-compassion and conscious spending can allow people to align values with desires, learning to spend in a way that you can be happy. He also realized that fulfillment often happens when your time, energy, and resources are in alignment. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. I hope you found just like one thing, one thing to take action on that helps you just try something a little bit new. It gets you out of your comfort zone, makes you do something a little bit more adventurous in your life. Until next week, keep on adventuring. If you found value from today's show, here are three easy ways you can support us. Subscribe to Ordinary Sherpa Podcast on the platform you're listening to. It lets the providers know that you're getting value from the show and want to be around when we release additional content. If you feel compelled, leave us a review. Two, find your friends, family, and others you think would enjoy this show and share this episode. Three, and most importantly, join the community of families interested in creating authentic experiences through simple adventures by going to OrdinarySherpa.com backslash community. We want to hear from you and create content that would benefit your family. Thanks for joining us on this journey as we help families connect through adventure.